0: Brilliant, my name's Brogan, I'm one of the team here, I'm married to Beth, who's at the back there, and it is just a joy to be uh, with you this morning, and we're, we're looking today at Romans chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible on you, or you've got a phone on you, please do get it out, get out pens, highlighters, however you're going to take notes, or, or whatever you want to do, please do so. It's a joy to be preaching on Romans 8, Um, I love this passage. When I first became a Christian, this is one of the passages of Scripture that just grasped me and uh, and wouldn't let me go. And so it's a joy to preach on it today. And if you are new to faith or maybe you're just exploring faith today, I hope that this passage encounters you in the same way it encountered me and caused me to fall deeply and deeply in love with the person of Jesus Christ. So let's read together Romans 8 verses 12 through to 17. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as James said, this is our third sermon in a series joining in with Anglicans all around the world looking at three core doctrines, things that we believe and know to be true about God. Two weeks ago, Ben looked at how Jesus ascending into heaven means that he is no longer at work in just one place at one time, but rather now in every place at every time. And last week, Lee looked at Pentecost, where God poured out his Spirit from on high to empower his church for mission and ministry in the world. And today, we're looking at how how we respond to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whether we go back to an old life before we encountered the power and the mercy and the love of God, or whether we live out our new identity as children of God. We're asking how we respond to God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity, and we're going to unpack that today. So why don't we stand? Because we're going to pray for ourselves as we we study this passage together. And uh, this is a prayer, we use a prayer before we preach each time, a prayer said by Anglicans across the world. We're part of a global family here at St. Thomas's, And the prayer will come up on screen in just a moment and one of the real gifts of this is that it reminds us that it's not just us meeting here in newcastle but rather we are joined with our brothers and sisters around the world from nigeria to belarus to the states to australia you name it christians all around the world are praying this prayer today have we got it on screen no, all right. Well, I'm going to pray over us then. I thought I was doing a great job of filling though. Do you not know think like, like? Like, how long am I going to expound the global family of God for? It's going to be a new sermon series. OK, right, I'm going to pray for us. Holy God, faithful and unchanging. Enlarge our minds with the knowledge of your truth, and draw us more deeply into the mystery of your love that we may truly worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Please, do, please do take a seat. <laughs> so the point that we've got up to in these three weeks is the Spirit being poured out. And that is where St. Paul has got up to in his letter to the church in Rome. The book of Romans. And in Romans 8, he talks about what life in the Spirit looks like now that we've received this gift. I'm not sure if you've ever received a gift that you're not entirely sure what to do with. (laughs) and You're there, you're opening it up, and you're wanting to seem grateful, but you're you're like, I don't even know what it is, (laughs) let alone what I'm meant to do with it. Well, church, the good news is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not like an awkward family Christmas. We have God's Word to guide us how we respond to Him. And in this passage, we see two options, two clear options. The first is that we turn our back on this gift and we return to a life that is driven by a longing for unhealthy desires. It won't surprise you to know that I'm going to warn us away from this, this morning. (laughs) Look at the passage with me, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation... Sometimes that word is translated as debt. It's a Greek term that conveys that there is something which is external to us that shapes our lives. Whether it be money that we owe or a duty that we hold or a position that we've been given. And the Bible says that we have an obligation that shapes our lives. However, it also says that this obligation is not to the flesh. What on the earth is the flesh? Well, when the writer of this letter, St. Paul, uses this idea of flesh, he's describing our wants and our desires that are contrary to the will of God. Now, please hear me clearly on this. He is not saying that the body is bad. Jesus had a body. If the body was bad, Jesus could not have had a body. Okay, St. Paul is not saying the body is bad, rather he's describing in the term flesh those physical and those emotional and sometimes even spiritual desires which are contrary to the will of God, that are sinful. So if we go back to living life with an obligation to the flesh, it means that the ungodly desires have the final say on how we live our lives. Yeah? Try this on for size. It means that when we're in a situation when someone has annoyed us, we let the ungodly reaction to threaten or to harbour a grudge or maybe even to lash out to them, we we let that reaction have the final say over how we respond. Yeah? Or think about it when it comes to sexuality. Our desires have the final say over how we express our sexuality. Whether it be what we do with our boyfriend or girlfriend or what we watch online or what it is that we, whether we're faithful to our spouse or not, our our desires have the final say in any question there. And the same could be said of the way that we approach food or conflict or drinking or money or pride or self-image or social media, any number of areas of our lives. I've picked out <laughs> anger and lust, but it's not like there's the only two, two things the Bible mentions and includes how we deal with our work. I used to work at a, a climbing wall before I worked for a church, and part of my job there was to run kids Parties. And this one particular party came in one Saturday. Now, a bit of backstory this had got off to a pretty bad a uh, pretty bad start um, because the, the mum had called up to book the party and I am profoundly dyslexic. So normally, parents would come up, call up and they'd be like, I'd like to book a party for Amelie, please. And I'd be like, oh, that's great, yeah. How are you spelling that? And I'd write down Amelie and, you know, she'd say it's oh, like this. And anyway, uh, this particular mum had called up and she said, hi there, I'd like to book a party for Ben. And of course, I'm on autopilot and so I just go down the phone Yeah, that's great. How are you spelling Ben, please? (laughs) I kid you not. She was so kind. She did not miss the beat. She was just like, that's B, E. And she paused, and I was like, oh, please don't do it. She's like, N. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, so I think she already thought I was a bit of, I wasn't particularly great at spelling, and she was right. Um, Anyway, so... (laughs) So we get to this party, and we've bought in all this external catering, and we've hired in the instructors, uh, and we get to the end of the party, and the kids have had a great party, and I've paid the instructors, I've paid the catering, and, and they've gone off home, and the kids have gone off home, and the parents have left, and I suddenly realise about half an hour in that I've forgotten to ask them to pay for the party. <laughs> And so I'm calling her up and it's just going straight to voicemail and I'm sending emails, but they're pinging back because I think I've misspelled her name in the email line. And and what's my immediate reaction there? My immediate reaction is, what can I do to cover this up? How can I lie? Is there someone else I can blame? Is there a junior member of staff I can push this onto? Can I make it out that it's her fault? Anything to cover for the fact that I made a mistake? There's an instant reaction which had the final say in my life there. You might have had a similar experience at work. And an obligation to the flesh is exactly that living a life where what we desire has the ultimate say over what we do. And the Bible could not be more clear that this way of life leads to death. And of course, when the Bible talks about death, it's not just speaking about the first death at the end of our lives. It's talking about an eternity separated from the love of God. And all that to say that our response to God matters. It's not a trivial thing. There is a way of life that leads to life and there is a way of life that leads to death. And church, I'm saying this in in love this morning because part of the way we love each other is to constantly encourage each other towards the way of life that leads to life and warn each other away from the way of life that leads to death. However, the wonderful news is not just that we have God's word to teach us this, but we are not left alone here. The wonderful news is that we do not have to find a way to summon enough spiritual strength to set ourselves free from living according to our own desires. St Paul says that we put these things to death by the spirit of God himself. This is such a... Good news, you and I, we are not left alone struggling to put to death the sin in our lives. We have the power of the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. God the Son took the punishment for our sin and now God the Spirit sets us free from the pattern of that sin so that we may enjoy a right relationship with God the Father. What a merciful and gracious God we worship, because the way of life that leads to life has been freely opened for us in Jesus Christ. And if only I'd realised that on that fateful day at the climbing wall, because about five minutes before I was about to lock up, um, this mum runs in, and she's going, <laughs> she goes, Ben has forgotten his Buzz Lightyear toy. And I was, I've never been so glad of Buzz Lightyear in all of my life. It was literally Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, yeah, I said, oh, that's great. Actually, can I take 500 quid off you, please? <laughs> she looks at this toy like, you, I am not. I'm <laughs> talking to you again. Anyway, um. We have a new idea. So, what God has done for us is He's invited us into this new way of life. And the alternative to living a life where what we desire has the final say over what we do is living a life where God has the ultimate say over what we do. Now, what do we learn about God in this passage? Let's look at verse 15 together. Can we call out the three persons that we see named in verse 15? Who do we see in verse 15? Anyone want to start us off? Father, fantastic. We cry, Abba, Father. Anyone else? Spirit, fantastic. And what do we have adoption to? Sonship. So we see the Father and the Spirit and the Son are named in this verse and throughout the scriptures. And there are a couple of mistakes that we could make in thinking about how they relate to each other. And it's Trinity Sunday, so we're going to look at them for a few minutes. And the first mistake would be this, to think that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are separate gods. Yeah, maybe they have broken off from other gods to form a super league. (laughs) You know, they're separate gods. They are fundamentally different from each other, but they've just agreed to work together. Now, this would be a huge error. And if it were the case, then, then what is described in this passage would make no sense at all. How could the spirit of adoption to sonship be separate and different from the sun? How could he be a different god? How could we be heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if these are two fundamentally different gods who have just agreed to work together for the afternoon? And this error is called tritheism, literally meaning three-godism. And every church that worships Jesus recognises this as a a heresy, it's a fundamental mistake and misunderstanding, something fundamentally wrong. But the other way to go would be to would be to go to the other side and say no no there's not there's not three distinct persons there's just one God wearing different hats now some people um, and this is always normally always with the best of intentions i'm sure i've made this mistake myself at times explain the trinity like this that just as one man can be um, a father and also a brother and also an employee but he's just one man so too is god father son and holy spirit and often the heart behind explaining it like that is right but i'm afraid it's also fundamentally wrong And this is a heresy called modalism, where there's one God who appears in three modes, one God wearing different outfits at different times. And this passage also proves that this is wrong. There is a real distinction made here between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It's not one God wearing three different outfits. They are distinct persons, So therefore, theologians throughout the ages have drawn on all of Scripture to articulate this, that God is Trinity, one being and three distinct persons. God is an eternal community of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and each has a a common essence, a common Godness, if you like. They are co-equal, One is not more God than the other two, and they are co-eternal. They've all existed for the same amount of eternal time. One or two were not created by the other. And church, this is who God is as revealed in scripture. And we could never fully grasp or fully understand, but we can glimpse and admire and adore and even experience. Because the passage says this, Through the spirit of adoption, we share in the life of Christ the Son. If you have never turned to Jesus and confessed him as your Lord, as your saviour, the one who loves you and adores you, the one who you've pledged your life to follow, then I urge you to do so today. And I'm going to invite you to respond at the end of the sermon. Because trusting in Christ means this, that on the cross, our sin and our wrongdoing for which we justly deserve to die were dealt with. That Christ paid the penalty for the wrong in our life, paid the penalty for the way of life that leads to death, he died, and opened to us the way of life that leads to life, he rose again. And we are made clean and we are forgiven. God, the Holy Spirit, could never dwell with that which was unforgiven. And yet at the cross we have been forgiven and therefore the spirit of adoption dwells with us. And all of that Trinitarian theology to say this, that you and I relate to the Father in the same way that Jesus relates to the Father. Let that sink in for just a moment. For all of time, the Father has been loving the Son, who's been loving the Spirit, who's been loving the Father, who's been loving the Spirit, who's been loving the Son, who's been loving the Father. And you and I are adopted into that. We're not adopted into a working agreement between three different gods. And we're not adopted to a God who is sitting up there lonely in heaven with three different hats. We are adopted into a community of love and mercy. You and I are made eternally alive because we're adopted into the family of eternal life. The church is in Christ, and Christ is in the Trinity, which is why the church is filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit and the Son are constantly interacting. And this is why the church cries, Abba, Father, because those are the eternal words of intimacy between the Son and the Father. And this is why once you have been saved by Christ, there is no going back. Do you feel weak in faith today? Or be encouraged, Christ has seized you and he will not let you go. You cannot lose your salvation for you have been taken into, we have been taken into the very life of God. If you're part of the church through your baptism, whether as a baby or as an adult, and you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, then this is true for you. Do we realise how loved we are? Do you realise how loved you are? You're not just loved today or tomorrow. You are loved for all eternity by God himself. Isn't that mind-blowing? Does that not make your heart sing and want to respond to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here before you. I lay down my life to follow you. Do you ever fear that the Father will give up on you? That is absurd. You are loved for all eternity. Do you ever doubt your salvation? Well, doubt no more. Through Christ, you have come to share in the very life of God. And that is what it means, verse 14 when it says that we are children of God. We have a new identity. Our final point today, this new identity comes with a new obligation. Do you remember where we started in verse 12? Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. And I said that that Greek term there conveys that there is something which is external to us that shapes our life whether it be money that we owe or a duty that we hold or a position that we've been given. And the Bible says that this obligation shapes our life. And as we've seen, this obligation is not to the flesh. Rather, our obligation is to our new identity as children of God. Verse 16, we'll put it like this. The Spirit himself, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children two ways that all Christians are called to respond to this the first is by turning away from that which doesn't fit with this new identity and the second is running towards that which does fit with this new identity so turning away because we share in the very life of God, there are some actions that are simply incompatible with who we are. Yeah? You know when um, William and Kate go to open a primary school or you know, do whatever they do on a royal engagement, there are some things that do not fit with who they are. They couldn't walk in there and respond and act however they like because they're part of a royal family. They're representing something more than just themselves there. And the same is true for us. There are some actions that are simply incompatible with who we are, for we're on royal duties. And these are the misdeeds of the body, which are mentioned in verse 13. 13. And through this new identity, we put these to death, turning our back on them as we turn to new life. And there are various partial lists throughout the Bible of these actions that we should turn away from, and they are immensely helpful. You can find one in Galatians 5, another in Romans 13, and there are others as well. But the simple truth is this, that that we probably, probably experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit in regards to them. They are are actions which, when we do them or after we've done them, we know that does not sit well with my identity as a child of God. That doesn't fit anymore. And the question for us today is this. What are the actions in our lives that are no longer compatible with our new identity as children of God? And if you sense the Holy Spirit is pointing something specific out to you, then praise God. That is a gift and an invitation to deeper relationship with him. And I I encourage you to, to find someone to pray with you after the service. We're going to have prayer ministry in just a few moments. However, verse 16 also means this. It says, The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children it also means that we are led towards a new way of life. Because the work of the Spirit is not just to set us free from sin by applying the mercy of the cross to our lives. The work of the Holy Spirit is also to empower us to share in God's ministry around the world. And the two are intrinsically linked. You cannot share in God's ministry unless you have experienced His mercy And all of that starts with the testimony of the Holy Spirit to remind us who we are, to bear witness to us of our salvation and adoption. The Spirit testifying to our spirits is the moment when we sense God's presence with us, his peace with us, his joy with us. It's that moment when God opens our minds to understand the Scriptures so we can read them and and trust the promises contained therein. And one of the ways we're going to respond in just a moment as we wrap up is by asking the Spirit to testify to our spirits of our adoption as God's children today. And the outworking of this is that we share in God's work in the world. Lee said last week that at Pentecost, um, the Spirit was poured out and thousands of people came to faith. If you continue reading through the book of Acts, what you'll see is this, that people are healed, that families are restored, that injustice is overturned, that societies are transformed, that the gospel is preached and that the kingdom of God breaks in. And church, all of that starts because of our new identity as children of God. And we are the continuation of that ministry today. Church, there is no such thing as a secular job. It's a phrase that is banned on the staff team here at St. Thomas's and and banned throughout the congregation. There is no such thing as a secular job. When you walk into work or you log into Zoom, or you go to your lectures or you bath your children or you go on a day trip or you revise for an exam, you do so as a child of God. It cannot be secular. It doesn't work because you're there and you are a child of God. His presence is with you and his power is within you. Which is why it matters how we respond when we make a mistake at work and forget to charge someone for a children's party. Because the way that we respond in faith or in honesty or integrity in those situations are a direct outworking of our new identity in Christ. The way that we respond is a direct outworking of who we are now. What you do on a Monday morning who you hang out with on a Friday, your work, your family life, your friendship group, all of these things are impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work within you. And that's why we model something on a Sunday about the Holy Spirit here. That's why in a moment what we're going to do is we're going to pray For each other and pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and live inside of us. The aim of that is not that we have a great time on a Sunday, although we pray that we have a great time on a Sunday together. (laughs) The aim of that is that throughout our week, we live out our identity as children of God see the lost found the dead raised the sick healed the sinner saved the gospel preached and the church renewed all by the grace of and all for the glory of Jesus Christ amen amen Amen. Amen. well let's stand let's stand and uh, can I invite the invite the band out I'll invite James up as well now as I said the first way that we are going to respond to this today is by inviting and making space to to commit to follow Jesus to become a Christian if you're not already a Christian. We're gonna do that in a really simple prayer. A really simple way. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. We're gonna close our eyes. We're gonna pray, come Holy Spirit. And if this is for you, if you're not a Christian and you'd like to become a Christian today, I want to invite you just to simply put your hand over your heart, and when I say amen, say to the Lord, yeah, that's for me. And then come and chat to us. And we will get you started. So let's close our eyes and let's pray. We pray, Come, Holy Spirit. The prayer goes like this Lord God I'm sorry for the wrong in my life I know that apart from Jesus there is no way to the way of life that leads for life please forgive me I commit to follow you would you send your Holy Spirit that's what we're going to pray So it's for you, I want to invite you to put your hand on your heart today. Lord God, I am sorry for the wrong in my life. I know that apart from Jesus, there is no way to eternal life. Lord, I long to walk on the way of life that leads to life. I'm sorry for the times I haven't done that. Lord, I commit to follow you today. Would you send your Holy Spirit on me? I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that's you, I'd love you to come and find me at the end, come and chat with me. We'd love to get you started. And the second way we're going to respond is we're going to simply pray, Come, Holy Spirit, would you testify to us of our adoption into the very life of God? James, would you mind leading
1: us in that? I'd love to. You know, heaven rejoices when even just one person enters into the kingdom of heaven. So, right now, there is a party in heaven, angels whooping. Father, God, Holy Spirit and Jesus are absolutely rejoicing. Um, even when just one person does. So just thank you, God, for what we've just prayed. And as we pray now, we're going to pray into that idea of sonship, that we are children of God. And um, and this is for all of us. Um, just to remember that, well, as a look out, it's been a busy term, hasn't it? with everything changing. I know there's some teachers here and you've just entered into half term, well done. Students revising for exams, well done. But we remember that we aren't just saved into activity. It's not like God has employed us. Well, the Christian faith is not less than that, but it's certainly more as broken reminders, we are loved. So I'm just gonna pray that, that reminder that we're all children, we are loved by God. Spirit of God, as we read in Romans, testify, A word that means, tell the story. Remind us that we are children of God. With things to do, but would we know today that we are loved. We are saved into relationship. We are saved into a connection with God, Spirit of God. Tell our spirits the thing that makes us us that we are children of God. I pray that for myself and my friends gathered here today. Amen. Amen.
0: So we're gonna sing now and we're gonna worship. And then after we've had um, one song of worship, Um, James and I are going to come back up and we're going to lead a time of praying for healing. Um, So that's what we're going to do after that. But I think it's right that we respond now to what the Spirit is saying to us and just give glory and praise and thanks to God because that's who we are now. We're people who worship. So let's worship together. Mm